Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. So today we have Storman Kromberg on the show. He is a VP of information security. And one reason that we wanted to bring him on was he also has a background in internal audit. Um, and he's also has a background as a regulator. So we wanted to kind of understand where should internal audits start with information security. I know most internal audit departments don't have an InfoSec specific person on their team. They probably have um, someone that does IT audits or something but probably not specific to security um and so the big overall question that we kind of keep coming back to is what can internal audit do with infosec where should they start um if you have you know if you're just a one person shop where should you start uh you know if you don't have it audit people on your team where should you start and so that's kind of what we what we try to get at here uh, from a high level is where can you start with information security within internal audit because it's not going away the more digital we get uh the more risk that we have in this space so uh believe that is it there's also a football analogy in this episode i don't know if it's too soon <laughs> to be talking football analogies or maybe i'm getting my hopes up a bit too much, but uh, Storm is also a, a Nebraska Huskers fan, so uh, off the air, we kind of had fun talking college football. So anyway, all that to say, hope you enjoy it. Yeah, hey Trent, Norm Kronberg, I'm currently serving as the Vice President of Information Security and the Chief Information Security Officer for Southern Carlson. I've been in this role for over two years, but I came into this role after over 30 years of experience in uh, other security roles, but also as a leader of IT audit functions, and a leader of quality functions, a leader of risk functions, and even time as a regulator. So I believe that's a unique balanced view of what IT, especially security faces, and how audit, governance, compliance plays into that role. The industries I've been in retail right now, but was in banking, payment processing, credit cards, some people would combine the two, and also IT services. And as I mentioned, I was a regulator, but that regulatory role was in the banking industry, the control currency. Yeah, and that's one of the big reasons that we wanted to have you on and the interest was you have an audit background and you have a security background. Um, we haven't talked 
security and any kind of depth other than maybe somebody will mention, yeah, we should be looking at security, but that's, you know, it's been pretty high level. So something I did want to ask is what should audit be looking at in the security world? Uh, great question. And my view on that has evolved, changed, and it seems to evolve and change by the day, by the week, by the month. And mm -hmm. my view, quite frankly, has been updated, revised, evolved dramatically in the two years I've been with Southern Carlson. Now, we are at retail and distribution of like construction equipment. So that's key because we're not as audited and regulated as what I had in the, my background before. If you think about the industries I mentioned, banking, payment processing, IT services. Um, and as a regulator, you're very conscious of controls, audit, and all that. Um, so when I think about audit and its role within security, one of the things I think that seems to get lost is starting at the top with senior executives in the board. Um, what I've run into in a lot when I was on the security side dealing with auditors, um, we'd get to a lot of tactical things or if we were writing up responses to issues, uh, funding would come into play or a policy question would come into play and would be written up at the security level versus board level, executive level who kind of set the tone for the company in terms of how they document strategy and approach. So if you've got a security group who can't get funding to implement a certain control, but the auditors write up the need for that control, mm -hmm. is it really an issue with the security team or is it an issue with executives not prioritizing it? And is it really them not appreciating the risk, understanding the risk or choosing to accept the risk without explicitly saying it? Right. Interesting way to think about it from an audit perspective to say, should we have been looking at this or is it really a risk? Um, the other thing I think that comes into play is how do you respond to things like shadow IT? These services that are procured, contracted for, funded, but it's outside IT, outside security. Um, and the fact that they're funded indicates to me a lot of cases that it is part of a corporate strategy, that it has been blessed. And it fits into the revenue flow. So the question becomes, is that a weakness in the IT side, a weakness on the security side, or is it somehow updating a strategy and a control framework to account for those areas? Uh, so it's an interesting question there. The other thing I think that auditors and audit functions can account for or think about is the pace of which things are happening. Right. Um, it occurred to me when I was sitting here and I'm now dealing with not audit issues, but current threats and vulnerabilities, we're able to be much more agile. We can adjust to what's coming in and we've responded to things that in hours that in the past I've seen more regulated companies, more audited companies respond to in days or weeks. And I sat back and asked myself why. And I think in a lot of cases you end up worrying about documentation checklists and also you're dealing with issues that have been documented in audit reports that could date back six months, 12 months, 18 months. So it's this difference of what's the current threat exposure compared to what's been documented or tracked in a audit or regulatory report or even things like PCI, all of them look backwards from a point in time. So I don't know if Trent, that gets to the, your intent of the question or the thought, but. Yeah, it does. And, and, and to kind of continue on with just trying to help the non 
security type folks out there, mm -hmm. is there, where would you start? Or is there like a specific test that you would do? Or is there a framework that you would apply? Or just something that to where, you know, if you have the, the five person team, maybe you don't even have an IT auditor that could make some sense out of something and put some kind of program, something together short of, um, you know, a co-sourcing or outsourcing agreement with someone, which probably in this scenario, you're going to want to have some of that. But for those that maybe can't even do that, especially, you know, right now. You know, that's a great question. Um, and now combining my audit background with what I'm doing now, um, I would start if I was a small audit group, not technical, couple of steps and, and there's here's the choice the auditor has one sit down with whoever's leading the security function it may not be a named chief information security officer it could be head of IT but head of risk but understand whoever that responsibility is and just simply ask the question what is the company's approach to security and, and ask that question because you're going to then get an idea of where they're trying to go with the security function um, and from that, you may learn what framework they're using. What's a, uh, what kind of response would be maybe expected from that question? Well, I can tell you one way I would respond in my current role. Now I'm playing, you know, I just gave you the audit question. Now let me go over to the, hey, let me respond to my own question. I was <laughs> adopted a defense and depth security program. This program is aligned with the objectives of the business in the sense that we have a pretty wide tolerance of risk. And we've chosen to govern this function through a steering committee. That steering committee contains all this, the C-level executives. We use that group to vet all risks, exposures, and threats that we're dealing with. We even track it with a uh, risk register. So Trent, I gave you that short response. From there, you can start seeing, okay, there's a list of, there's a way to govern it. You got a security group in terms of somebody looking out for it. You have a oversight body, which is that steering committee. You got the idea that it was C-level people. From there, you could ask, well, how did the group get formed? How did it get chartered? Well, it came out of how we designed the program in the sense of when we started our security approach, we said we need C-level oversight. Mm -hmm. Ask the CEO, how do you want that committee defined? And he said, let's keep, keep it at the C-level versus going down one level. So that gives you an idea of where it sits in the org and how much respect is there. Um, then you could ask what framework, whether it's ISO, NIST, FFIC, PCI, whatever, or did they define their own? Now you've got an idea where you can go look for controls, and you might say, what are the primary controls you put in place or have in place? Um, then you could drive your program off of there. Now, to me, if you didn't get a response like I just gave and says, well, we kind of have this, we go do this, we've got passwords like this, I would say I'd start getting uncomfortable. Yeah because you don't have a vision or an approach or a framework by which to look at. And now you're probably backed in just to raising issues and then ask them. I always love this question. What is the best way to audit the function? So when I was an auditor, I always loved having a steering committee of my own, which we'd sit down with the people who supplied the process, the people who owned the process and people who benefited or got the output from the process. And when we asked that or put them on a steering committee, we could ask, what's the best way to evaluate test or test to that this control is functioning as designed? Yeah, I agree. And there's some um, almost may, maybe debate of we should be the ones making that 
determination of what we think and how we think we should do it, but they know it better than we will ever know it. It's their thing. They own it. Um, so there's gotta be some level of trust there. You know, I know we're, we're independent, but there's still gotta be some level of trust there. So asking them where to start, um, and being even very specific on what to start in, um, I think is a great idea. So going back to the, how you predicated the question too, though, you said, if you have a small audit group, if you don't have it, you can at least leverage their knowledge. That's where your frameworks and things come in too. So if you get responses that say, oh, you don't need to worry about this, you might start worrying. Or if they say, hey, I'd love you to be able to take a look at how we structure passwords, how we configure a firewall, how we manage identities. Can you look at how we get the request from here? You probably get an idea that they're thinking through it. Uh -huh. um, so that's where your skills as a certified auditor ought to come into play to do that analytical step to say, am I getting a response that's reasonable? Now, to your point, you're back in control of the attestation. Right. And then, so you being on the security side now, what would you want to hear from audit? What would you want them to look at? And maybe you don't have to be specific about the, the area that you're, you know, you're in. I don't want you to give yeah. away any you know, company secrets or anything to that effect. But again, just trying to give a, uh, some perspective on the InfoSec or to give perspective from the InfoSec side. Um, I really think the, or I would love an auditor to start and start at the top to say, starting interviewing myself or our audit committee or board would be, what is your vision direction for information security? Where do you think it currently stands? What does your roadmap look like? How do you govern it? How do you measure it? What metrics do you use? So start at the top to say, what's it like? And it's where you can get an idea of where the program is going. Um, and if you get a bad response there, why go any further? Because you can probably predict the rest of it. So I always like to say, have somebody come in and say, tell me what you're thinking of doing. Tell me what you envision doing and seeing how that gets confirmed across. Um, and then since audit groups, especially internal audit ones, functions are driven by an audit committee in most cases, that should be in sync with the audit committee and the board because there should be that tie in there. And if you have a disconnect, you're already the problem, right? Because you can see where you're not going to have alignment on budgets, on people, and on process. And I use budgets to drive what technology would be in an security function. Yeah. So we've kind of covered these for the most part. They all kind of boiled down to a similar answer is, Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at audit board, the leading cloud-based platform, transforming how enterprises manage risk audit boards, integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions, streamlines, internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. Is there anything, your pet peeve, maybe your, what, your pet peeve in audit working security or your pet peeve with audit in general or your pet <laughs> peeve in security? Um, just something, something that, you know, for everyone that listens, you want them to know and kind of maybe another way of putting this, maybe the big takeaway that you wish everyone could walk away with. Um, God, it's a great question, Trent, but I'd ask everybody to walk away with security professionals are facing one of the most challenging, 
uh, roles in a company right now. Because if you are 100% successful, nobody knows it. The only time you get viewed as not doing something is through an audit report, through a regulatory finding, as a security incident, or heaven forbid, a breach. You are, you are the offensive lineman of the company. Nobody cares unless you screw up and then you get in trouble. Yeah, um, great way to put it. Um, and the challenge there is making, having people respect that because, like you said, if an offensive lineman misses, the quarterback's hurt. The running back's on the ground. Um, and I've often told people I've chosen an interest path in my career. I've been a regulator, been an auditor, and I've been a security professional. Um, three functions that really aren't that loved in most companies. <laughs> um, and so what I'd like people to think of as they go through and view looking at a security function or the pet peeve, if you will, is understand what is on the table and what they're facing. And what are the key control issues? If there's one control issue you can raise, what is that one? That's why I went back. Is it funding or is it a mismatch of expectations? And helping to clear those up so more people can come into alignment. I'll even say this. I just got off a, another podcast where a um, online roundtable that talked about board reporting for security professionals. And the challenge is it was fairly technical, fairly programmatic. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how do you put security into the context of a board business view? Right. Um, I can't remember if it was you and I talking or somebody else. I go, what if we could place security issues in the same context you do classified loans or pricing risk or market risk? So there's this common view of balance and that's always been the challenge. So if we can get that accomplished, I think it makes um, dealing with the core issues of protecting the enterprise is much easier. Yeah. So it, it seems like a lot of these conversations I have, a lot of it boils down to effective communication, which is true, but it also kind of sucks because it's hard to work on that. Like I've heard that my entire life, you know, career, if not life, but you don't really take the time to do that. It's almost, you have to have someone, especially in this case that knows it, that knows the business and that can communicate it. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it's, it's really hard to get that to work. And, and it also takes some patience too, Trent, because think of it this way. You've got board members and executives who are dealing with the whole myriad of the company. And they are now going to be asked, how do I account for security in the context of the rest of the business model? You know, they're probably sitting there going, okay, they're asking me to put in endpoint protection, if you will, or a single sign-on. And it's going to cost us a million dollars a year. Well, that million dollars goes against the bottom line. Is that million dollars worth the sacrifice on building another function, another product line? So if you start thinking about how to balance that business view, it's a challenge for those board members, those executives. Yeah. Um, and it's a tough risk to balance up because it's a lot of potential risk, not pure dollar and cents loss risk. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, definitely not easy. There's, there's something that I was thinking, as you said, you had just finished another podcast doing the round table and yeah. it's something I asked someone the other day in like a, a, a pre-interview talk 
they had been on a bunch recently, like three, which is kind of how I came across them. But I always thought like I would listen to a podcast, like a one-on-one interview kind of podcast and during it or afterwards, maybe in like two days later, I'm driving down the car or driving in the car down the road. (laughs) And I would think that's how I would have answered that question. Or I wish I was on that so that they would have asked me this question because this is how I would have responded. Is there anything like that that you want to speak to? Like when you were on that, that round table, was there anything that you were like, I wish I had more time to expand on that. I wish uh, they would ask this question. That's a great, you know, I'm glad you asked it that way because you just prompted me to think of this or realize it. Not once in that conversation, it was an hour and a half, so it was 90 minutes, did they ever mention audit. Hmm. And so we're sitting here talking about effective presentations to the board, but yet the people facilitating it didn't reference audit. And my experience is you're going to have to have a, if you have a strong audit group, they will be your partner sitting there. And it seems to me the one question would have been key. Have you had the conversation with the audit side of the board responsibility, the board fiduciary responsibility and the security function. So to at least get alignment, maybe that's how you address what I mentioned before with the business risk. It says, okay, the chair of the audit committee, the chairman of the board, the CEO, the head of security and the head of audit all have this, review once a year where you kind of talk about where do we see it going and what are the risks and how do we want audit to confirm the risk. So they're not spending time on things that aren't relevant. The security people are investing in what makes sense for the board's expectations, the executive's view on what the business priorities are. Um, That was a great question because I like it in that context of you got all these players getting them together and at least getting some consensus. Okay. Well, now, now you got to, to throw that out there. So we'll include it. I appreciate it. You can feel whole and complete about your <laughs> podcast day. <laughs> um, so I know when we talked initially, you said something to the effect of the audit and compliance mantra for security can cause a situation where you're less secure. Yeah. Can I expand on that a little bit? I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And it goes back to the timing difference. So I'm glad you mentioned it Trent, and reminded me. What I look at is most audit functions, most compliance functions, if you put them in a regulatory context of banking regulators or um, even OSHA, which we sometimes deal with, or if you think about PCI, HIPAA, privacy is coming into play now. Almost all of them that I've ever run into all look backwards. So you come in on an audit date, point in time, and look for information going backwards. The challenge for us in security especially is we are dealing with things that happen now or coming at us. So if you write something up and go through the process of, you know, manager review, you know, general auditor review, get responses, document the responses, all of that, you could be dealing with a timing difference. So if you're asking the security professionals to respond to something that may be six months old, you're taking time away from their ability to, deal with incidences or threats that are happening right now. Um, and that really struck home with me because we were dealing with one incident and we were able to respond in less than an hour. Nice. Now, the nice thing about the response was we weren't as concerned with the documentation, the flow. Now, the two of us driving and managing the incident were aware of that and we knew we had to get these basic documentation, but we also engaged with legal and in insurance and all these other partners as we were dealing with it. Um, 
but we weren't pulled away to deal with something else that was more historical. Our response saved us a whole lot of money. Nice. Our response allowed us to not be exposed and protected data. So that's where it prompted me to say, how can we have audit functions when they come around, focus on point in time going forward and the appropriate documentation. So I think it does lead to the concept, can we get to where controls are self-auditing or self-documenting to where you look at it and it helps itself much like we deployed there, capturing it, recording it, and if it's not 100%, is it in the acceptable range for the risk of the organization? Yeah. So are you talking about using analytics in that sense? Analytics are just automated tools that can capture things, you know, or relying on the idea that the email time is when it was recorded or by having a distribution list can serve as notice that says these individuals appropriately saw it or asked for responses, things like that that can help confirm a process was followed or adhered to what was in the documented procedures. Yeah. Um, I think of things like that that can be self-documenting, self-checking. Analytics can come into play. Sometimes I think people overuse the term uh, analytics. But I just did. So that's why <laughs> you said that. I mean, that's what I do. And it, I say it that way because it's easier. And that's what or people understand the automation as analytics when it's really two separate things. But really, if you want your analytics to really shine and to do continuous monitoring, you have to have automation. So I think in, in the audit world, they've been, the terms have been kind of fused together. When I say analytics, people typically think automation. Yeah. And I think with RPA and uh, that kind of becoming, coming to the forefront, they're starting to understand the difference between that and that straight automation, automating a process doesn't necessarily have to be data related. Um, but yeah, so I'm glad you called me out on it. So an interesting thing you just did, not to call you out again. Okay, what does that mean? What's that? RPA. You just use that acronym. Oh, robotic process automation. Yeah. So I call. I, I reference that because, quite frankly, I've run into times when a certain acronym can mean different things. So I've also become a little bit trying to force myself into avoiding the reference to a specific acronym and more to the underlying process. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate what you meant by automation because one thing that we've done or I've seen success with is how you tune alerts. So we've tuned alerts on things through our email system, through our identity system so that we can know when certain anomalies occur to lowest threshold. So that's lower than we would see from a pure risk or a materiality point. Again, back to your question, what are some of the pet peeves or things I would like auditors to ask? Understand what is the logic for how you set thresholds for alerts and the way to respond to an alert? Because we have some set to low that we don't respond to the same way we do that would be a high. And we've even classified some as high, not because it necessarily indicates a threat, it's an indicator of something. So that's where the automation can help, and that can be part of that self proactive guidance and auditing and documentation. Yeah. All right. And I will um, be more aware when I say RCA. <laughs> and, and what's, what's frustrating about that is, and it's, it, I first realized it with the cloud when the cloud became such a thing. Cause I was right about when I 
um, had gotten into audit and I remember the partner on the engagement asked like, oh, I got, you know, what's this, what's the cloud? We have to, like, I got to go to this thing <laughs> and talk about the cloud. What is the cloud? He was IT, uh, an IT audit. And it was like, it's the internet, man. Like it's basically just the internet. <laughs> they just market it different. And, uh, you know, like Salesforce has been using the cloud for, you know, like 10 years, 15 years before the term was ever brought up. And now I see it with RPA also. And when I do, like I'll do some, some half day or some full day trainings and talk about analytics and RPA and all that kind of stuff. And, and I always say it's just automation is all it is. They just, they've, the really only difference is they made it easier to use it. Um, cause there's a interface and you can kind of drag and drop. So it's a, it's not straight commands and things like that. Um, but it's just automating, you know, whatever you want to on your desktop, anything that you do every single day, you can automate it with a, you know, a bot. Um, so anyway, always, that's kind of my soapbox. You know, I've talked about a soapbox. That's kind of mine is these, these acronyms and the way that the marketing, um, forces it on you and kind of makes it more confusing than it really is. AI yeah. It's literally nothing most of the time when I see it in marketing, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll read it and I'll be like, all right, well, where's the AI in that? That makes no sense at all. So anyway, um, that's my, my, my soapbox is usually anti-marketing material. <laughs> in IT. Well, I would actually concur with that. So one thing that goes back with, to one of your starting questions, what can the small group auditors do? Keep it simple and don't be afraid to ask somebody to explain it in the most basic level. So you were just referring to the cloud. To me, the cloud's been around for almost since the 60s. Yeah. If you look at how the Federal Reserve operates, how Visa operated and MasterCard operated in the early stages where you move paper to a central spot, somebody looked at it, then redistributed it out so you could settle. Mm -hmm. That is not much different than how the cloud operates today or software as a service where you send transactions, requests, events into a central compute facility gets handled and then comes back out. I like to simplify that because sometimes the controls are about the same. Um, and if you can find somebody who will describe it in a simplistic fashion, it's amazing how well you can learn it and understand how to control it. Remember back early in my career, somebody's explaining to me how a mainframe operating system worked and they actually drew it out on the, the whiteboard. Yes, there was a whiteboard there. Mm. Um, and it was incredible because this individual knew it so well, they explained it in the most fundamental, simple fashions that a non-technical, non-IT person could really pick it up. And I still reference that description today because it's still relevant. Yeah, I had the, a very similar experience in that. I think, you know, I have an IT, like my background is all IT school and everything. And we spent maybe like 15 minutes on mainframes when I was in school. And then I ended up having to audit them because I worked with banks and insurance companies and that's what they were on. Um, and so the, the IT audit manager had to, you know, took us aside one day and we're like, all right, this is how a mainframe works. I know you don't know what we're talking about. So quit smiling and nodding and <laughs> this is how it actually works. Uh, and drew it up on a whiteboard and yeah, we walked away and I was like, all right, yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense. So. Uh, funny that we have a very similar story. Yeah. And I, I just want to reference the idea of, and, and whether it's technical security applications or even the basic business flow, don't be afraid of the simple question, much like I did when I asked what the acronym meant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
Um, I usually go in, I'm, I think I said this earlier in the week, but I usually open up like the kickoff meeting with, I don't know anything about what you're doing. You know, like, even if you think I should, I don't know enough, you know, and that's one reason we're here. And it could be in IT. It's easier to explain that in the IT world because there's so much. Like, oh, you yeah. know, just, you just look at ERP systems and to think that there's somebody that's a expert in all things SAP is impossible. And then you, you, you look at, well, they're, and they're on this operating system and there's this database and, to, you know, try to understand all that's impossible. So I think it's important to communicate the fact that you don't know everything as the auditor and that you are going to ask what, what the client thinks is a dumb question and they need to be okay with that. And I'm not sure there's ever a dumb question. Um, I guess somebody once told me the only dumb question is the one you don't ask. Right. Um, and I think a good auditor has got to be comfortable to keep working to ask those basic questions until they can understand it. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.